Pickaxe. Oh, what's the best game where you get to eat pie? Oh, what's the best game where you play a dead guy? Hey. Looks boring. What are you on about? It All of great. their games, they look boring. It doesn't look boring. It looks like it you're an assassin on the Isle of Man. But it doesn't have the kind of wow. The steampunk quail-based economy is incredible. Yeah, it's boring. VG247's <laughs> <laughs> Best Games Ever podcast is ostensibly a show about figuring out what the best game in a weirdly specific category is, but it's actually just about petty arguments. You should listen to it. It's good. Is that it? That's the whole promo? Uh, yeah, I was just doing And it. that's supposed to make people subscribe, is it? Yes. Okay, good luck with that. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. This program is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. If you like what you hear and want to support our work, please make a donation at fundraiser.resonance.fm. Good evening and welcome to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. My name is Steve Curran. And I'm Anne Scantlebury. How are you? Good. I'm just on a chair that's a little bit lower down than I would have expected. Hang on, let me leverage myself up. Adjust. Oh, I can't. I should really be making sound effects. Whoop. <laughs> Something. It's all right, just switched. We're a video game radio show. We've been talking about video games on Resonance 104.4 FM for the last 12 years and we're not ready to stop. Uh, are there any musical chair video games? That's a good idea. Is it? I don't know, but it seems like an idea. I've not I don't know of any. It does feel like it could work. Shall we try and make it? Yeah, let's make it today. Alright, good. Uh how's your week been? Um oh gosh, we always get to this bit and I can't remember. Can't remember a single um, thing that you've done. Pretty good, pretty good. Oh yeah, uh it was my mum's birthday. How was that? Great. We ate some food. Ooh. I know. Wasn't it brilliant? Uh, was it good? Yes. It okay, was very good, good. food. Uh, she was very, very happy. Uh, yeah, other than that, um, I mean, I've just been stepping into Christmas, Steve. Really? Yeah, first <laughs> of December. How have you done that? What is your Christmas, uh, Christmas routine? Um, right. So, obviously got the Christmas playlist on. Mm-hmm. What type of music are you... Because if you say Alexa play yeah. Christmas music, she goes straight for the traditional sort of she put on yeah, some yeah. sober carols and it's not, it's, it's not all a, i want it's not a carol if you christmas say alexa list. play the girls aloud christmas album right. you get a very different atmosphere yes so i've found that i've been playing that over the weekend of course you have. Uh, and you can't actually find it if you just search girls aloud christmas album it's actually the bonus album on the chemistry of course album of course as a little we bit all of know. advice for you listeners uh so i've been playing that been putting up um too many fairy lights okay because, very, very cleverly, when I got married, we decided to spend a big portion of the budget on fairy lights for decorations. That's very clever. So now, we've got so many. Okay. Uh, so we're a very lit They're all household. a bit of a fire hazard, hazard though, aren't they? Yeah. Fairy. Yeah. Yeah, so. so if I make it through the season, that'll be a gift to us all. <laughs> uh, and obviously started mince pies. We've got... Um, uh, what do you mean started? Well, we've got a... Uh, Have they been available for... I know. But at work, we started our mince pie um taste test mm. and we've got a pie score chart okay a pie? you've both got or, a pie chart or, or a pie score right okay so it's like so what's your um, what's your favorite mince pie so far so far scoring the highest is mr kipling which i am not okay mm. with i'm not okay with that uh but you know it's this is democracy uh so it's inevitably wrong so so far Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm in for Morrison's own brand cheapies. Oh really? Yeah, it oh, seems to be that. I got I went for a went for an expensive M and S one the other day. Didn't no. not really in. Uh, how's your week been? Pretty good. Very 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 busy uh, because we're approaching the end of the year and it's just that time of year where everyone starts to panic that they haven't done enough work um, and quickly everyone crams it in and that means suddenly I get super super busy. Uh, but apart from that, I had a very productive Saturday. Mm. Decided to learn Blender. What? Mm. 
What mm. is that? Mm. It's a, well, I was going to say it's a video game creation tool. It's not exclusively used to make video games, but some people use it to make video games. It's a 3D art package. It's too many Ds. I know. I know. I struggle with two Ds. Easy on the Ds, Steve. Mm. But now, uh, yeah, I made... I, well, I started it up once... Mm. quit in disgust started up a second time quit again in disgust but the third time was the charm it's because it's 3D <laughs> went all the way through three disgusts yeah. uh, went all the way through to the end and then uh, yeah made myself a little Victorian hut it's very exciting so that's what I did oh, well on Saturday done. Sunday decided to uh, embark upon the process of UV unwrapping which I'm sure you'll be very familiar with I don't understand what that means mm. well me neither before Sunday now I know it's a hateful thing that makes me cry didn't get very far with that uh, so went out for a curry instead and that was excellent good well thanks. thank goodness we've got someone in the studio with us otherwise we would just talk about <laughs> Food. foods we have eaten yeah which would which we'd be fine and, you know fine what? with yeah it listeners would probably would be by this point as well yeah because they're very low expectations very low expectations but we are a video game radio show yes thank so we should goodness uh so before simon went off he sorted us out with a guest and not just any guest a very top quality guest super special guest and if we are going to be starting to make the musical chairs video game today we have got a chair expert (laughs) you're kidding no i know a music expert hello hello uh so you're tim summers i am yes hello tim summers uh so you do music i do yes well i'm a um I'm a musicologist, so I study music. I'm a lecturer at university, I teach at, I'm a lecturer in music at Royal Holloway University of London, and so I research music, um, I do a little bit of making music, but mostly it's about studying, understanding what music does in culture and all sorts of different things, and I mainly work on film TV, but especially video game music. Well, that's why you're here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that explains everything. Good, I I I thought... Simon might have gone rogue with getting us a guest that had nothing to do with video games. Very Wouldn't interesting. Wouldn't be the first time. Uh, but no, you are very, very relevant. So we'll have a good chat with you in a little bit. But first of all, Steve, I think I'm going to introduce myself. <laughs> are you ready for the news? I am. Good. on Monday the 3rd of December. I'm Anne Scanthbury and this is the news. Valve has changed its Steam distribution agreement, allowing developers to keep more profits from their more successful games. Currently, Valve takes 30% of all games sold on Steam. The the change will see Valve's cut drop to 25% on revenue over $10 million and 20% over $50 million. These changes will be backdated to the 1st of October this year. In this instance, revenue sales include DLC, in-game purchases and community marketplace fees. We had a big old chat about this in the uh, Marioki Discord. What did mm, you? Some gossip. Ooh. So what do you believe the intention of this to be, Anscance? Uh To make sure that all of the big uh, developers and publishers are publishing their big games on Steam. Seems like it, doesn't it? it do- I mean, it does seem like that. But if you are one of the uh, developers or publishers who has a Super Smash hit, Mm-hmm. franchise and increasingly we've talked about this about how publishers are moving to a model where they have a very very small uh, number of franchises that they concentrate on and become yearly updates and they want to capture that audience and keep them there if you have that franchise do you think that the difference between 30% and 20% moves the needle as much as spending money on your own back end and just making it yourself yes you do well to be honest you just put it out there because one of the things about steam is that is where the players are mm. so do you, don't you want to go to where the players are steve uh, so well p- pay their money don't ask game, me steve. ask rockstar Ooh. i would imagine they care less about steve and his 10 million dollar <laughs> yeah uh, they care less about me and indeed every other sort of independent developer out there and care more as you point out about the rock stars of this world now rockstar uh, put gta 5 on steam mm-hmm. but they've got a big game haven't they they've got red dead they do and it's not on pc yet and will it ever be well yeah but will it ever be on steam 
Yes. You think so? Yeah. Maybe this 20%, uh, 20% thing. Yeah, uh, I also saw a lot of fuss from... Uh, fuss is not a nice word way of describing it. A lot of people, a lot of indies talking about how it will make no difference to them at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Blow replied and said, actually, it makes quite a lot of difference to me. I'm about to sell $10 million. And everyone rolled their eyes a little bit and said, yeah. Jonathan, we love you. <laughs> but shut In up. some ways, <laughs> we love you. And we think The Witness is a lovely thing. But you are an outlier in many ways, uh, specifically in this way. And yeah, it will affect the indies who've got lucky. Mm. It's a little bit like when you think about, uh, say, a tax threshold. If you only do uh, make changes to tax thresholds that are above a certain amount of income, then you're only affecting a certain type of person who's Mm. earning a particular amount. And it's not really fair, is it? Do you think this should trickle down to everyone well that was the other half of this so uh, people were talking about you know uh, this doesn't indies were saying you know it makes me not want to put my thing on steam and maybe i'll move away but where else is there this itch but it doesn't have the install base and how uh you know what am i supposed to do steam needs to do more about discoverability it always seems to come down to discoverability um and i think that that is true it's frustrating as an independent developer and seeing your a uh, game swamped by a, a hundred releases every day, um, but that's kind of the problem. Like discoverability is not an easy problem to solve when you have that many titles coming out every day, all of whom want to be discovered. Um, so addressing that uh, is what people want Valve to do. How to address that is harder. I saw some good suggestions on Twitter, but is it really you know what's in it for Valve to do that? Like keeping the indies the indies are going to stay anyway mm. for now because there's no better place to go you're nodding a lot tim and i'm really feeling validated by <laughs> that, this that's why but I'm i wonder here. i wonder <laughs> i wonder whether you've uh, you've anything to add well yeah i mean i think this discovery discoverability issue is is a huge one and i also see a parallel where you're talking about um people making music and they want mm. to be, make a living from making a music and whatever it is and they have how you get your music out there, how you get it discovered and found. And with music, you've got things like you know, Spotify, and there are so many debates going on about that, about how much um, you get paid for your music per play. But then you also have things like SoundCloud and how you drive the attention to your music and then how you actually make the finances beyond that. And I think that the, the question of this is extremely important um, for, for developers and, and for musicians. Anybody trying to make an independent living as a creative artist in that way. Google has removed 13 driving games from the Google Play Store after it was discovered that they contain malware. The games, all all from developer Louise O. Pinto, were flagged by malware and security researcher Luca Stefanko. It was discovered that when the app was downloaded, it would look like it had crashed, but it was actually downloading malware, and once it was on the device, it would delete the game's icon. The malware would display ads whenever the phone was unlocked and had access to the device's network and traffic data. Ooh, naughty. Yeah, and it had been downloaded over half a million times uh, before it was taken down. Uh, Is there anything Google can do about... So it's all very well taking it down off the store, but can they do anything about the phones that have been infected? I I don't know. Well, I guess that would be in their terms and conditions. Are they liable for any... uh, For any... uh, Anything that comes from the software that you download onto your are they liable for what goes onto their store i have no idea whether they're liable or not but i would suspect that this is no longer just about uh, this is not just about liability but Mm. about consumer faith in the store Mm. so uh if you have if you download something on the play store you expect to get that thing you don't expect to have your phone uh hacked and if that is not the case then people are going to stop using the play store right if that Mm. uh now well, I imagine it's quite difficult for Google to just say, okay, we'll remove stuff from phones because obviously that's an insecurity. Insecurity, is that? Security vulnerability. <laughs> they, insecurity, insecurity is, that's about right. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. nice. Uh, it's, a, it's a vulnerability as well, but I, I wonder if Google could, you know, maybe they could release a special thing that in this instance targets that malware and removes it. Um, mm. Kind of very focused virus cleaner, if you like. Um mm. I am quite free and easy with what I install on Android, like because I assume it's not got malware in there. Did this require you to accept creepy levels of permissions? I guess it must have done. Yeah, I think so. What it did was, so it downloaded and then launched something else, and then you had to click through on that. 
Uh, so it, there was an additional okay. level of that. It seemed, from what I could see, but obviously they're down, and obviously I wouldn't even test them. <laughs> <laughs> How'd it work? Well, Steve, I've got a terrible, terribly broken phone now. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I think there was an additional level of click-through, which you would hope, wouldn't you? Oh, I'm a smart person. I wouldn't click through on that. Mm. I definitely what would. I, offered. I definitely would. Five Game Studios have created games for a new charity app raising money for War Child. The app, Help the Game, contains games from Sports Interactive, Rovio, Gameloft, Wooga, and Featherweight Games. The app is inspired by the Help album, which was released in 1995 to raise money for War Child and contained songs by bands like The Stone Roses, Radiohead, and Oasis. The app is a total bargain at $2.99 and is out now on Google Play and Amazon's App Store and will be out on iOS soon. All pr- proceeds go to War Child. What are these games? Right, so the sports interactive game is called Tickets, Please, and you're a train conductor who has to check uh, passengers' tickets against the clock. Uh, the Rovio game is, oh, I don't know if I can pronounce this, Inish Cube, uh, which is a tile-removing puzzle game with a garden theme. That sounds lovely. Yeah. I'm in. Uh, These sound nice. Yeah. The Game Loft game is uh, called 50 Buddies, which is a racing game where you you have to guide 50 jelly babies around the track while dodging an assortment of deadly obstacles, which is great. Anything with jelly babies. Uh, Wooga's one is... Do you like jelly babies? uh, I always find them a bit disappointing. I I I I think I like two of them. Really? And then after that, I'm like... Do you mean two two different... No, I like to... If I... You only have two. I will only have two. Interesting. Let's challenge that, though. Okay. Uh, So they are making Rupert sell them, don't break them, where the player is a clumsy elephant and must do their best to avoid demolishing a china shop that they work in. Um, and Mediocre Housekeeping is from Featherweight Games and it's a physics-based game where the, uh, you have to stack as many items of clothes on the, a shelf without the whole thing tumbling down. Sounds excellent. What is this on? Uh, so it's currently available on uh, on Google Play. I can't find uh, it. What's it called? I'm looking help for it right now. the game. I just searched for Help the Game and it gave me Calculator the Game. That's not ideal. Uh, it's supposed to be out on iOS soon. It should be out on Google Play and Amazon's App Store. It's literally not. Maybe search for War Child. War Child. War yeah. Child. Why aren't I using Siri? Well, because I'm on Android. But uh, Tim, it's interesting. So this is uh, rep- sort of riffing off an album that was released a while back. Well, in 1995. That's quite a while back. Uh, which was to raise money for War Child. So now people are moving from creating music and putting out albums and now creating sort of like albums of games to uh, to raise money f- for um for charity is that so is that anything you're worried about do you think music has got something to be concerned about in this people are stopping making music <laughs> they are that's it it's silence it's is falling across the people <laughs> um i mean i think it's interesting because um just as you used to have this tradition of charity albums, you know, things like the very special Christmas albums, which used to be done for the um, Paralympics, and mm. they'd get a bunch of celebrities together, and they would have, you know, very unlikely things like rappers doing Santa Baby and all sorts of unusual things. Um, with When you have a game collection, I suppose one of the differences is that you're not necessarily looking at covers in the same way, but you're talking about new games, mm. even if they're building on existing design principles. And they could be a really, if, if they don't have to be, sort of large, they could be quite small if they're coming in an album. So it might be a good way for smaller developers to get exposure through charity projects like this. I mean, that's the reason why we're talking about it today, is for this. And that's not to say that that's some evil ulterior motive, I'm just saying it's another encouragement for people to engage with this. I wonder if it's also nice for that, because if there's five of them in a set, they don't have to, like you say, they don't have to be so long. Maybe it's nice for them to just get get something out that's Mm. been like sitting there on the bottom of a list where they're like oh we'd love to make that but we can't because it Mm. won't you know it's not it's not worth you know the cost of an app or however much you'd have to put it out for or they didn't you know they just want to get it out so maybe it's a nice way of getting out i found it okay great. it's called help colon fun puzzle games in support of war space child space uk uh and it is on play it's priced 299 yeah that's what if I you can't well all right that's what i said okay good if fact checking fine if you if you can't find it there then uh like i did just go to 
HTTPS, because it's a secure Obviously. site. Yeah, of course. We know about malware. Colon slash slash helpmobilegame.com. Very good, Steve. Thanks. Mm. I, you know, just like to be complete <laughs> about these things. Pleasure Suit Larry original creator Al Lowe is selling off his source code collection on eBay. The auction says, you're looking at a one-of-a-kind opportunity to own a piece of computer game history. My arc- archives of LSL1, Pleasure Suit Larry in the land of the lounge lizards. When I finished creating Larry 1, I thought I should keep a clean archive of everything needed to recreate the game. So I copied all the source code, text, animation, background art, music, sound effects, everything I could onto these floppies. Okay, you going in? Am I going in? Right, the bids are currently at $10,000. Okay. So I'm not. Well, maybe One Life Left Limited should. Ma- uh, maybe. We've got our financial so meeting after this. We so. do. One of the uh, things he said is owning the source code doesn't mean you own the IP. Well, clearly. Well, no, but not clearly. Well, clearly. Well, not clearly. No, I mean clearly, not clearly. I mean clearly. It clearly, it's not clear. It's not clear. Well, it's clear now because yeah. he has said it, so clearly. Clearly. <laughs> Uh, there's a few other games in there as well um, from that era, but I, d- I didn't really... Leisure Suit. Well, what you could do is you could just retitle it, <laughs> couldn't yeah, I think, you? I think and that's then the IP, fine. so you could call it... What's another word for a leisure suit? Play suit. Is that the same thing? Let's say. What? Uh, what's oh. the one... What's the Play suit. Like the zoot suit sort of thing. Zoot suit. Zary. <laughs> it's not a name, is it? Barry. Pla- ba- zoot suit Barry. Pleasure suit Parry. Doesn't sound right. <laughs> Smoking jacket. Pleasure suit, Larry. <laughs> Sounds like basically Google gone wrong. We, we will we'll work on this, and yeah. you'll see it. You'll see it coming out next to our uh, our chair uh, uh, musical chair musical game. chair simulator uh, next year. And finally, a small UK charity has been given a grant to help estranged children and parents reconnect over video games. The Church Street Child Contact Centre was awarded 680 by the Lewis Bayless Trust. A spokesperson for charity told the Slough Express, we're going to buy some more modern PlayStations and things like that because the ones we have are secondhand and not very good. We find it a good way of breaking the ice, especially with older children that haven't seen their estranged parents in a long time, and it's a way of working together. 680 what? Pounds. Okay. Did you say that? Yeah. Yeah? It's written. Okay, it doesn't mean I said it. Doesn't. But who can prove otherwise? I mean... I mean, on the podcast, yeah, you, you could just, just skip back Skip back 20 15 seconds, seconds, yeah. But don't. Trust Anne. Yeah, if you do, what's, what's your problem? Like, why, why don't you trust her? Pounds. Sterling. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, bonding moments over games. I think, I, I think, actually, it's kind of a, a nice... I think when, you, um, when you're talking to someone... It's kind of good to have a third thing that you can look at mm. and focus on instead of just looking at each other and going, how are you? Well, it's sort of a step up from like watching a film or TV mm. or going to the cinema or something where you probably wouldn't be talking over it. If you're playing a game, particularly a cooperative game together, then it's like a nice thing that you can be chatting about together. So you've got right. the starts of communication there, but you don't necessarily need to talk it's about anything. an excuse. If you don't want to. And... You know, if you're a kid who really likes video games and whatever the circumstances that you haven't seen your parent in, it's nice to just be doing something that you might be enjoying. Have um, you ever bonded over a video game, Tim? Yeah, well, I, I started playing video games with my dad. Mm. Um, and some of my earliest memories, I suppose, are playing things like um, Elite uh, mm. with my dad. Uh, and actually, um, Leisure Suit Larry, actually. Really? Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, um, you, you should play our sequel. Yeah. Our, yeah. our spiritual <laughs> successor. <laughs> Pleasure um, Suit Larry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I uh, I just think this is a very good story. Uh, a good news story. I think it's a very good story. <laughs> it is good. It's a good news story. Um, and I think that... I think that they have other contact centres around the country. So possibly, if you have, uh, if you know of one near you, and you have any spare games or anything to give, that might be a nice thing Good to idea. do this festive season. You said you had a joke. Oh yeah, it was about malware. Okay, go. go. I mean, like now we're in the sort of director's cut yeah. of the news section, so we we so, can. If this doesn't go well, we'll just ask we'll just, caretaker to just yeah, okay. stick so, the news can we jingle. Just have a second pause. Stick the news jingle on. You know, after it. So we'll just have some pause now. Okay, you're clear. So I was thinking that um, we should set up a section on the show which is about um, fashion in the games industry. But, like, you know, we'll talk about the good fashion where everyone's doing really well, but we'll also talk about, you know, the malware. (laughs) That's good. 
That's good. Thank you. You've done nothing wrong. No. Thanks, Anne. Uh. One life left to video game news with Anne Scantleberry. Listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is Capricious Cohorts. It's by, well, their name is, it seems to be Nestrogen. Huh. Wait, is that how you say estrogen? Do you say estrogen? Uh, estrogen? In, in America, though, do you maybe estrogen. say estrogen? I reckon you say so estrogen. So, Nestrogen, but they call it the NES. NEStrogen. I don't know. Anyway, it's by that person. It's on shipmusic.org if you want to hear uh, it again or if you want to hear any of the music that we play on the show. You can download it there. I thought that was the end of the song. That's the end of the song. Good. We treat music with respect on One Life Left. We have done... Estrogen. (laughs) We have done since uh, the start of the show way back in 2006. No, it was just at uh, 7pm, Steve. Ah, uh, you're good today. <laughs> I am all right. Tim, uh, tell us about music. It's good. <laughs> it's good. Love music. It's good. Uh, so do you want to uh, introduce yourself, explain a bit about what you do? Yeah, well, I'm um, a musicologist, and that's somebody who studies music. Um, and as I said a little bit before, uh, my interest is understanding music in culture and how we interact with it and why it's just so awesome so much of the time, particularly as far as I'm concerned in video games. So my research looks at uh, video game music. It tries to understand uh, the history, how it works. Really, a lot of it comes from trying to understand why we find music in games so enrapturing, how it means so much to us. Um, when you when you're playing, you're listening as well as watching. It's part of the whole experience of interacting with a video game, and that's what fascinates me. So I research, I write articles and books, um, I talk about it at conferences and in lectures and various other things. So. Most of the time, that's that's what my day looks like. A little bit of playing video games, a little <laughs> bit of talking about it, a little bit of writing about it. Um, and so this is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great job. It's lovely to do it. So you've been researching why, uh, why we find video game music so uh, compelling mm-hmm. and why it's so special. Why, I guess, it's so special to you and why you find it the most compelling, um, compelling cultural use of music. What uh, what's the most interesting thing, interesting discovery you've made during that research? Well, I think one of the things that I've always find fascinating is that one of the arguments that people make when they say, "Oh, video game music, it's great," because you know now you get orchestras playing it and huge resources. <coughs> but part of the point is that's that's only part of the story. Mm. Because yes, we love our symphonic landscapes, but we also love the bleeps and the bloops of Super Mario Brothers of older, older games as well. So one of the things that I've been researching is about how over time. 
the main thing is not necessarily the instruments that play the music, but it's how it interacts with you and how you get the sense of interacting and playing with music, how it enhances how you play the game. That kind of interactivity is what I'm really interested in in, in video games. So I suppose when people talk about interactivity in music, a lot of the thoughts are, okay, so you're talking about um, games where you augment the music in a very obvious uh, and playful way, but I guess... Uh, a lot of video games treat music in a much uh, do the same, but in a much more subtle way. The player isn't aware they're affecting the music, but they do, and that feeds back to them as pleasure. Well, yes. I mean, I think that video games are giving people an education in music. Mm-hmm. You might not realise it's happening, but you are being taught about music by video games. All right, yeah, sometimes it's really obvious. You're in Assassin's Creed 3, and whoops, you're in the middle of a performance of The Beggar's Opera, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's very obvious. But even when you're playing any other kind of game, because you're trying to engage with it, you're listening for what that music is telling you about the enemies that are coming around the corner, about what kind of world you're in. And you're right, yes, sometimes it can be very obvious. Oh, look, a zombie appears, we start a new piece of music. But that's not always the case. Even if it's just a game where an MP3 plays when you go into a room, you are listening to it, you're interpreting it. What is it telling you about that world, about that environment? When you're playing a video game, you are engaging with that fictional world, that construct, right? But the game technology can only, you, you only engage with it through what you're seeing, through what you're maybe touching or maybe moving if you've got motion controls, and what you're hearing. So that sound and vision has to build those worlds for you and so this is why i think it's such an important part of 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 playing video games and why it comes to mean so much for us what do you think bad video game music is or (laughs) bad video game music and bad uses of video game you've gone negative early (laughs) hey let's get it out the way tough tough questioning okay okay so there are a few different dimensions to that there's one i'm I'm going to be a bit cheeky saying a lot of people would say bad video game music is repetitive, right? But I don't think that necessarily holds because some of the music that we love so much is very repetitive and we expect video games to be a repetitive medium. You expect to do basically the same sort of thing as as time goes on. So I don't think bad video game is music is repetitive as such. That doesn't make it bad. What makes it bad is if it's annoying, if there is if it's too sonically abrasive. But there's also there can be bad video game music that sounds extraordinarily beautiful on some level. So there's a there's a, a example that I talk about in my book and it's a game with stunningly beautiful music if you listen to it. It's a game called Advent Rising and the music is extraordinary. It's beautiful. It's got a huge orchestra, a choir, there's a soprano soloist. However, for many players, that was bad video game music because of the way it was implemented in the game. Players talk about, you know, you're, it's a sort of space um, adventure game. And the problem was, is that you'd have these wonderful orchestras, but then the music would suddenly be cut off. Or, you know, you'd just be walking around and a new cue would start for no particular reason. So that's a failure, not of the musical material itself, because it's glorious and you hear it in concert and it's amazing. But it's bad video game music because of the way it's implemented. So I think it's music that's inappropriately repetitive and annoying. It's music that's implemented badly. And you can also look at spectacularly poor examples where it's just incoherent and things have gone wrong in a port or something like that. A classic example, if you really want to test your ears, is Crazy Bus, uh, which has notoriously terrible music, which is just basically random notes at this extraordinary ear-splitting volume. Um, I sometimes like to torture conference participants by playing that at them. So, uh, teaching video game music or talking about video game music within the academic world uh, must bring you into contact with a lot of people who don't know what this is, what this means, Mm -hmm. and maybe are snobby about it. Oh, yes. But I would say that times have changed. Mm -hmm. So I did my PhD on video game music back in 2012. Mm -hmm. And around that time, time, if you wanted to research video game music as an academic, basically you had to say, oh, um, I'm an orchestral scholar, I'm an opera scholar, but I I do a bit of video games on the side, but it's not (laughs) really my main thing. But now... Times have changed so much that now there are people who um, who can say proudly, I study video game music, that is my specialty. Why do you think that is? Um, I think it's come about because of the cultural change in video games. I think, that, I think it's linked into that, where we have um, 
where now the generation that is growing up now into positions of, well, in the particular thing we're talking about, um, academic policymakers. These are people who have now grown up playing games. These are not the evil other video games. Um, but And so they, they understand what video games are a bit more and they recognise them as important experiences. So I think there's that dimension of it. But also, musicology as a study has gone through a huge crisis of confidence. It's like, should it all be about Beethoven? And we're coming out of the, the other side of that a bit more and saying, well, it's about more than Beethoven, but Beethoven is still important. Um, so, yeah, I think you do, you do still find people. But what has changed in the past 10 years is you now... People who don't like that we study this now know that it's not necessarily okay to say you shouldn't be studying this anymore <laughs> um, because of how values are changing in the academy. And that's a, that's a great thing. What, um, what are some examples of games, uh, modern games, that are doing interesting things with interactive audio these days or interactive music? Well, we see a lot of uh, attempts to generative music, mm -hmm. and that's something that's, that's ongoing. There are some fantastically interesting companies doing... Um, trying to make music that is created on the fly. So generative music, rather than having a pre-written piece of music that plays all the way through, this is music that's assembled on the fly. Mm -hmm. And attempts to do this have gone back, um, you can trace these back into the sort of uh, 90s, but now we have, um, with the processing power and kinds of games technologies we have now, we are having uh, musical uh, the ability to create generative music that is uh, more tuneful, that it's more aesthetically successful. It doesn't mm. just sound too random or too repetitive in a purposeless way. So um, that's uh, where you have companies like um, Periscope and uh, Melodrive and people like this doing interesting things to try to find ways to create musically satisfying generative music. Are there any games out there with this implemented? Well, I haven't played it myself, but I think um, uh, No Man's Sky... Right. Uh, uses a generative music uh, system. Does it, I, thought, I thought that was by uh, 60 Days of Static, or maybe it uses their work I, I and was, then... Yeah, I, was under the okay. I might be wrong about that, but I'll have to check. That would make I, sense. There was some degree of, of generative uh, processes in it. I think Ernog Unlimited is a mm. game that I've been playing, which I believe does generative mm. music. And it all sounds quite abstract, but fits with the world really nicely, I think. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if there are other examples. I swear, like something like Dwarf Fortress has it as well. Um, good. Uh, what's 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 in, what's the future for game audio then? Uh, where where are we going with all of this? Just tell us that, and then we don't have to live <laughs> it. It's just an easy question. Well, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of challenges. Um, certainly, is how you uh, integrate expressive musical performance into video games mm. in a way that is 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 reactive. Um, even now, when you're you're programming and designing audio for a video game, those central questions of how is it going to change with what you do? How quickly is it going to react? How are you going to make a musical transition um, move from one piece of music, one state to another in a smooth and successful way? Um, and there are all sorts of different approaches to that, um, but the technology is getting better and better to be able to do that in smooth and interesting, interesting ways. We also have new technologies like VR, how that will change very substantial, very fundamental issues of music in games. Like, when you're in a VR world, where's the orchestra? Where is that coming from? Where does that music come from in a VR world? Mm, that's uh, that sounds like one of those VR questions. I guess this is this is uh, one of the things about game audio. In that, I often find when I'm working in uh, development studios, audio is the poor relation of the other disciplines. It's the thing that gets thought of last. Mm -hmm. And I've heard a lot of these VR questions. Mm -hmm. Where do you put the score? Yeah. You know, for example. Yeah. Uh, the where do you put the orchestra is mm. the sort of audio spin on that, right? That's yes. a good question. Yes, yeah. I was talking with the chap who did the audio for, for Riggs, the VR PlayStation uh, mm -hmm. game, and he was saying we were, really fundamental questions about where do you attach the music right. in the game? Is it attached to the robot? Where do these things come from? And I think it's also interesting because then it questions our ideas of what fictional reality is in even more traditional media <laughs> in films. You know, what, you know, there's no reason to suggest the same questions don't apply retrospectively as well. Um, so I think that's an interesting uh, area for development as, as, as well. So it's an exciting time to be in, in game audio, I think. We uh, could talk for ages, and we're already about seven minutes over where, where we should be at this point in the show. Where can people uh, follow you if they want to talk more uh, with you about game audio? Yep, well, um, I share a Twitter account with other researchers in this area, and it's at Ludo Musicology. 
That's um, a word. Um, so Ludo, L-U-D-O, musicology. So play and music together, uh, which I think is at the core of a lot of what we do when we study video game music. And uh, and yeah, you can look out. We've got a we run conferences every year on video game music. Um, our next one will be in Leeds from April twenty sixth to the twenty eighth. We've got um, uh, several interesting speakers, both from the academic academic world and from the industry world, coming to talk to us. And uh, so, all you uh, all you budding academics out there, or you any composers who want to come and talk about what they're doing, we'd be delighted to hear from you. All right, uh, you're going to stick around for the rest of the show. We're going to do the letters now. We've got to push on. Ready? No time for music. This is music. Good. It's a jingle. Is jingle music? It's not a jingle, it's a bed. Now a bed. It was a jingle. Anyway, hello, <laughs> uh, subset of team and super special guest. Uh, I know you're currently chatting about this in Anne's great news section. Uh, this was sent 27 minutes ago. Uh, but with the changes to Valve's pricing, I would like to know what you would like 10% more of or 10% less of in the world. And it has to be exactly 10%. Oh. Thanks. And that's from James. Is this? Does it have to be video game related? He hasn't specified, so no. Okay. I think I would like 10% more sleep. I don't want loads more sleep. If I have too much sleep, I get woozy and get a headache. But right now, I'm about 10% under. So 10% more sleep, please. That's a very selfish one, isn't it? I could have gone 10% more happiness. But only 10%. Why don't you save that for when you get your, like, 50%? Get the bonus. Yeah, you get your 50% no, what you want more of. 50% more cake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want, currently, I want 10% more paneer. Really? Because I know I'm having paneer for dinner tonight. Are you? I yeah. had it yesterday. Yeah. So I want I want 10% more of that in my life right now. Are you uh, are you making the paneer yourself? Oh, sorry. Are you uh, making the meal yourself? Matt's making it okay. right now. How? He'll be listening to this. Yeah. I think it's an interesting question. How small do you cut the paneer? Pre-cut paneer. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think you're going to eat the paneer and you're going to wish the paneer cubes, because they'll be cubes, Yeah. Uh, were 10% bigger. So I, I had I big, big chunks of paneer yesterday, and it was it was worthwhile. Yeah. Sorry, Tim, uh, we're a video game radio show that's also about food, often about food. Do you have an answer to that question? Uh, yeah, 10% more hedgehogs. Um, oh. new, by numeracy, not I want 10% bigger hedgehogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, more hedgehogs. That's fair. Ben Hall writes, Hello, Steve, Anne, and hopefully plus a super special guest. After last year's attempt at getting a team on to only connect and failing, I'm giving it another go. This time, I've managed to kick James Parker our previous letter writer out and replace him with Jamie Firth also James will be at GDC the main problem is I still don't know what to call the team I like the Marioki singers but normally teams on Only Connect are made up of only one word so if you were to name a team on Only Connect what word would you be what word would you use cheers Ben that's cheerio Ben oh sorry that's cheerio Ben with the vowels missing um, name for Ben's only connect team. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, that's bad. Let's go for. It has to be one life left. Oh yeah. Related. Fantastic. No. <laughs> why don't Why don't you just call it one life left as one word? Because yeah. sometimes people do that with our radio show, right? It's like very weird. it is weird, but we're fine with it. Or you could call it uh, the Mariocalists because that's, that's still... like vocalists. Oh yeah. Still, it's definitely one word. But it doesn't. What? Well, uh, yeah. Oh, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but when has that ever been a problem for us? <laughs> Next letter. Oh, okay. So this is uh, from uh, uh, Chris Stewart. And it says, uh, Dear Team and SSG, I've bought a few decks of cards recently and I've been learning some uh, lovely sleight of hand to astound and amaze and annoy my friends, family, and colleagues. In the meantime, I've seen lots of kerfuffle about archif- um, Artifact, a uh, video card game. I've never really got into this game, and I want, I want to know what you would recommend as a starting point if I wanted to play an amazing card-based video game. Also, this is very nice on the end. You guys are highlighted on my Monday, even when only some of you turned up. So it's a lo- very nice. Love, love and kisses there from Chris Stewart. I have two answers to this, Chris Stewart, but I'll let Anne answer first. I don't know that I've got any. I think I you have, don't have played, any I played Hearthstone once 
or multiple times and I, di- I don't really get it I mm. sort of get it but I don't really get it I think that's for the best not not getting Hearthstone because I think it's a slippery slope once you start getting Hearthstone and that's it yeah, you for tend- life I don't know what are good ones good, good, good card games yeah I've got an answer for you, but... Um, Are you trying to find it? Are you Unfortunately, stalling? my Steam app has crashed. Okay. And I've just searched for game inside it rather than card, which is <laughs> not going to help. That might be what's All right, I've got my answers. Two answers. One, if you, uh, you want to go retro on this, Card Fighters Clash is the best card game and it is so much fun and charming and simple as well. But if you want a modern equivalent of that, slightly more complex, which I also found fun and charming, I'd go for Card City Knights 2. It's by Ludosity. You can get it on Steam. Uh, and it's just a really, really nice uh fun card dynamic i would also say it doesn't involve dlc and packs uh that you have to download to be a better player and all of that sort of stuff uh and pay for it's just a game you buy it just you play it you finish it it's my favorite kind just just a game yeah uh tim do you know any good card games um not really no i mean i I, my partner played hearthstone for a long time Mm. so the music for that is ingrained in my mind Mm. a little bit but i i can't make any personal recommendations on this one Uh, All right, dear team and SSG, as we barrel towards the end of the year, it's traditional to see best of lists cropping up. I'm not a huge fan. There's often a lot of trolling and being deliberately obscure just to be provocative. But I did enjoy Parco's musings on his own favourite nine of the year in the New Yorker recently, which were well selected and so difficult, isn't he? I'm doing top top ten. No, No. I'll just select nine. Nine. Actually, I'm doing eleven this year. Whatever. Uh, Where do you stand on end of the year lists? Are there any in particular that you look forward to or do you go out of your way to avoid them? Your catalogue correspondent, Chris Conroy. It's a good question, Chris. It's a good question. Um, Lists are annoying and designed to antagonise people and to get people to click on things so they can go to the comments and post, I disagree, how can't... Why don't you forget this? Sometimes it's nice to scroll through them because they'll call up games that you haven't heard of or games that you know other people respect and you think should try coming up with a definitive order of any type of culture is a fool's errand you can't do it uh, I dislike having to make them mm. because I can't remember what I did this weekend <laughs> so how do I remember what happened in January or what game I was playing um, I like them because they remind me what games I might have been playing yeah. I dislike them because they make me feel sad because I haven't played all the games I like them because they help me select uh, games that I can play in the future I've got a complicated relationship with them Steve that is a really, really good answer, Tim. Yeah, I mean, I think the question about drawing attention to excellence that you think has been overlooked elsewhere is a really, is a, that's a very laudable thing to do. But sticking things in a highly rigid list is is, is difficult and inappropriate. Really. But if you're going to do it... Do it as nine. Do it. <laughs> Prime numbers only. <laughs> Listening to One Life Left on Residence 104.4 FM, and I just closed the wrong window. <laughs> and what noise did I make? I can't even. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're a video game radio show. It's lucky that, you know, we don't have any time to waste. No. So it's okay. Yeah, just uh, cut it off. Yeah, the music I, the music I just <laughs> undeservedly cut off then it was uh, venom on chipmusic.org uh, you can listen to the rest of it on that website and we advise that you do christmas party oh yeah we're doing it we're doing it and you can't go can't i <laughs> you can uh we are sold out you can go uh we've got a wait list in operation now go to xmaspparty.singmarioki.com and sign up there there will be some more tickets released but we need to work out how many we're allowed to 
release sold out super quickly this year. Good. As we said we would. It's going to be really, really exciting. Uh, you're in charge of getting us a Santa. Do we have one yet? No, because I didn't know that. You didn't know it last week either. No, and then I put it back on you because we couldn't get the Santa that we thought that we had. So I said, you get in touch. We literally have audio evidence of that not happening. Please nobody look back at that because I think it might be true that it is my thing it's to do. It's definitely your responsibility. I don't want to. <laughs> Santa should just turn up. I shouldn't have to correspond. Where's all the magic? Where's all the magic? All right, uh, I'll get on it. We need to find someone. Great. We need to find a Santa. All right. We will do. There'll be Christmas cocktails. Oh, good. Not with meeting. Ideally. Good. Not ruling anything out. And Paneer, there'll be a secret though. Santa. That's on you. No, we're not doing paneer cheese flavoured drink cheese and wine that's good it is good paneer's not a very Christmassy food you know I had paneer at Christmas last year alright then it is I was in India checkmate uh, good yes. any other business before so I come to that. Um, start just the... wanted to say thank you to Chris from the Netherlands who wrote in uh, talking about the steam um, payment structure thank you for your letter hopefully we answered it in the news uh, if not... Write us another letter. Yeah. Do that. Definitely do that. Anne, you said you've been playing loads of games Yeah, I played three games. So I went onto the App Store and I Google... Uh, Google... I went onto the App Store <laughs> and I Googled... <laughs> With Siri. Yeah. Uh, I went onto the App Store and I searched uh, Christmas... And I just started downloading anything that looked like a Christmas oh, game. I've now got idea. so much malware. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I do not have any malware. Uh, so I downloaded the Tokoboka uh, Christmas haircutting thing, which, I mean, brilliant fun. Okay, you, are you cutting Santa's so hair? You, you can either cut Santa's hair or Good. a Christmas tree's hair, which I think is not haircutting. I think that that is, what's it called? To- topiary? No. Is that yeah, what it's yeah. topiary? Uh, Tim's mic is not. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I did. You can use a hairdryer on Santa, which is brilliant. So I did that with Santa, oh, wow. where his hair went all out, and then you can also colour it. So I did that with Santa, where he looks a bit like wow. a punk. Uh, and I did that with a Christmas tree, which I just think looks very sophisticated. Uh, anyway, that was a brilliant, fun time. Seven out of ten. I then did dentist Christmas game it just says dentist on here but it's definitely got a santa in it that was very weird you're supposed to be doing dentistry uh on different christmas members of the christmas family um and it wasn't the best game i've ever played so i stopped uh and teeth are weird uh and then i started playing uh, a christmas match three game and let me tell you back into match threes again that's how it happens yeah it's so great Oh, if you match three next to a candle, it'll light it up. If you if you get rid of the uh, frozen blocks by matching all of the things on that section, then you unlock a present. You've got to unlock a couple of presents. You've got to make sure that the Santa gets down the chimney by matching the threes around the places. Like, it's non-stop festive fun. It really is. I think this might be me till the, till the 25th. Mm. That'll be it. I'm just playing this match three. It'll be this this review until the end of time um i can't even remember what it's called i mean that's the sign of a great game isn't it where you just you <laughs> haven't stopped playing all i can see on my screen is christmas swee so just search for christmas <laughs> and go to the first. it's got like a little reindeer literally in it. literally do as Anne and you? put in the minimal effort just of going onto the store searching Christmas and going that'll do that'll do uh, but brilliant I got two games that I've re- really enjoyed one of them I've enjoyed immensely uh, and one game that I didn't didn't really do it for me um, they're all 7 out of 10 for their own special reasons fantastic Tim Lovely. Um, yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to mention uh, Kentucky Route Zero, mm. which is uh, an astonishing game, uh, point-and-click adventure. Um, you control uh, this chap called uh, Conway, and um, you are making your last delivery as a as an antiques uh, um, dealer or antiques driver for an antiques company. And it's it's an astonishingly beautiful game, um, very ambiguous in terms of. Uh, time and space um, but it's not 
obtuse. It's not. Um, it, it's very emotional, but it's not sad. It has a lightness of touch. Um, it's it's extraordinary as a, as an emotional and uh, engaging experience. Um, I really wanted to, to mention it. It's made by a cardboard computer, which is, I think is a three-person operation. Um, it's in five acts. The first four are out at the moment. There's a fifth to come. Uh, sometime next year and um, one of the things I really loved about it was it felt as though this was exactly the game that these people wanted to make it wasn't uh, you know focus grouped it was it's definitely an individual um, specific experience I'd really encourage anybody interested to go and play it what score? Um, well I thought a lot about this um, I just have to go with 7 out of 10 seems fair uh, I've been playing loads and loads of things. There are a few I specifically want to talk about, though. Uh, I played Marble It Up. Christmas Sweeper 3. There we go. Thanks. Do you know what Marble It Up is? Is it a match three? Nope. Is it a match four? Nope. Is it a match five? <laughs> if not, I don't know going. what it is. It's a marble game, man. It's okay. a marble game. Should have guessed that one. It is the spiritual successor, although I don't think it's billed as this, but it clearly is the spiritual successor to Marble Blast Ultra. Remember Ooh. that? No. Roll, roll. Okay. Uh, so Marble Blast Ultra was the Xbox's equivalent of Super Monkey Ball and was not as good as Super Monkey Ball. It was not as cute, uh, was not as fun, was not as well designed. What it did have, though, was a jump. I think it had a jump. It certainly had lots of extraneous stuff that a ball rolling game doesn't need. Uh Essentially, you roll down, roll through a maze, and you get to the end. In Marble, uh, Marble It Up, which I think is an absolutely appalling name for a game, but does sort of say what it is, you marble it up. Uh, you roll through mazes, you try and get to the end, and you jump around. Sometimes you collect things, sometimes you hit power-ups and boosts and all of that sort of stuff. It's really well-made, it's sort of pretty, uh, it's very robust, and it does everything you would expect one of these games to do. But really, I want it to do less, or fewer. Uh, I want it to do what Monkey Ball does, which is only have rolling and do it really, really well. When you add these extra mechanics, it kind of gives you a reason to not design the levels in as clever a way. Uh, Monkey Ball is a masterclass in design and how to squeeze the most out of almost nothing. Um, Marble Bass Ultra was, <laughs> was fine, and people loved it. I think it did three quarters of a million copies. Marble It Up... I think deserves to do as well as that, but it's not for me. All it does is make me want to play Monkey Ball. The would first you, Monkey Ball, not the second one. Would you like approximately 10% less? <laughs> 10% <laughs> fewer got, features. Got a wish. Uh, 7 out of 10. Good. Also played Bad North, uh, which is really super pretty and well-designed. What would you call it? Uh, maybe sort of tower defence or RTSE grid-based game where you're some vikings i think you're vikings defending an island uh against invaders i really find these things generally over complex this is super super simple uh short play cycles uh really enjoyed it despite it generally not being for me uh seven out of ten but the game i really really want to talk about and i think i've got time enough to talk about it is Frog Detective, or The Haunted Island, a Frog Detective story. It's Grace Bruxner's new game. I love Grace Bruxner. I love the games that she's made in the past, specifically Space Casino, which I downloaded on itch.io and fell in love with immediately. Um, this is a slightly more gamey version of that. You are a frog, a frog detective, and you've got to solve the mystery of the haunted island. An island is haunted, you've got to work out why. Uh, it's gorgeous. You, The game level, the game layer is pretty thin. You talk to people, or animals, generally. Talk to animals, uh, investigate this island, swap, trade objects with them, and eventually uh, discover the mystery. It is so warm and so charming. Um... And so short as well. In, I love that. I love that so much. Um, and it's not expensive. You get about, I think I got about an hour out of it. Um, and I've had more out of it because I just want to show it to everybody I like. I looked on Steam. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Mm. Looked on Steam. It had, uh, when I looked, it had 100 positive reviews and two negative reviews. And all I could think of is imagine being that person. 
who plays this and thinks, yeah, what I need is to go online and say, don't get it, it's not that funny. Don't get it, it's very short. Don't get it, it's not really puzzles, is it? Open your heart, play Grace Bruxton's games and fall in love like I did. Seven out of ten. Good. That's it. We're done. <laughs> we um, got through it. We did. Well, so for next week, uh, if you are going to be writing a letter in to teamoutonelifeleft.com, you could be in with the chance of winning... <gasps> what? A prize! What? Uh, Tim's book, Understanding Video Game Music. So if you enjoyed the chat today, do write in with a letter and you could be getting that book with lots and lots of amazing it's got great information in it oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah i mean yeah. i haven't had a chance to read it yet so. secrets to the universe are in that book great so team at one life left.com for the chance to win will you sign it tim i have yeah yeah it's all, you, it's, you've already signed it absolutely you've crossed out your own name and then written it again next to it yeah that's i saw true. somebody do that once i assumed that was how you did it i don't know i might just be doing it wrong <laughs> I think that's brilliant mm. don't need to see that i mean i cross out simon parker's names in all of his books <laughs> Don't write anything next to it. I once signed one of Stephen Poole's books. <laughs> one, of, one of my one of my friends, uh, um, I sent it her for her birthday, but I crossed out his name and wrote mine. Very good. I think why we need to you? go. Um, oh my goodness! Is this coming up to the hour again? It is. Is it actually? All right. Bye. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>